welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kip Wilkinson. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, the amazing triumphant times, and the journey in between. We all have a story to tell, and we hope this podcast helps you in telling your own. We'll have one more episode with just Micah and myself before the end of this season. That's going to be a Q&A episode. So if you have any questions about testimonies or this podcast or anything, just click the link in the show notes and send them our way. In this episode, I got to sit down with a very special guest, Micah Horvath, also known as my co-host. Micah shares his story and discusses his experience as a worship leader, living with alopecia, and growing closer to God through marriage. As always, I'll let him tell you his story. So as you know, my name is Micah. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I've grown up in a Christian home my whole life. I consider that a huge blessing. I've got two parents that I look up to in regards to their faith. Um, They've been very large spiritual role models for me my entire life. I've got three siblings, which any of you three that are listening are awesome. And uh, the one who's not, well, you're missing out. All jokes aside, um, I'm very close with my family, and that's a big part of my story. So, growing up in a Christian home, always in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever the doors are open, uh, which is a, a pretty common tale for most people here in the Bible Belt. But for me, it was where I wanted to be. That's where my friends were. That's where I got to learn to play music in the youth band. Um, And that's that's where a few of my relationships were started at, but we'll, we'll get into that later. So growing up in a Christian home, it's really easy to get caught up in religion. You get caught up in the routines of life. You're supposed to go to church, you're supposed to read your Bible, you're supposed to pray, you're supposed to be a good person, whatever that means. And I found myself doing that as a kid. So as a small child, I remember walking down the aisle after a Sunday night service, um, saying that I wanted to, to ask Jesus into my heart. I was probably six seven years old, didn't really fully understand what that meant, but I knew I didn't want to go to hell. Again, a common story for a lot of us uh, that grew up in church in the, in the Bible belt. So I do that. I talk to somebody, they determine that I understand. I think it was my dad. And then I got baptized. Well, I didn't really understand. It wasn't very authentic at that point. I just, again, didn't want to to go to hell when I died so growing up we went through a few different churches just for different reasons whether we moved or the church split or various things and ended up at the church that I'm at now uh, in middle school and it was blessed to have quite a few guys pour into my life a guy named Greg a guy named Chad and a guy named Josh all three men 
um, very thankful that God placed in my life that had massive impacts on me throughout the years. So um, the first mentor was Greg, and that was early middle school. He just chose to teach some punk kid about Jesus and what it looks like to to chase after him and to follow him and it was a, a great learning experience but I still wasn't wasn't sold on it I acted like I did but I was still a kid um, and then after a few years of that he ended up moving away and this Chad guy who had been there as well starts to invest in me as I'm in the worship band and he's over the worship for the youth group uh, investing us musically but also spiritually I learned so much about prayer scripture worship um, during that time that just had a permanent impression on me and, and who I am as a person um, and he is now actually in ministry full-time up in New York just plants to their planting a church in the Manhattan area, I believe, for sure NYC. Um, and, and God's continuing to use him to reach so many different people. It's, it's incredible to see. And then late high school, early college, uh, this Josh guy invests in me. Again, after uh, Chad had moved actually to New York to help a church plant in a different part of the area. But with Josh, it was more of the same, learning about Scripture, the importance of being a godly man, what it looks like, um, and just how to grow relationship with God. So in between the time of, of Chad and Josh was at a youth camp, and the guest speaker spoke about the difference between religion and relationship. Growing up in church all my life, I had religion down pat. You ask me if I've heard this biblical story. Of course I know. It's in, you know, this book. I may not have known the chapter, but I could have told you what book it was in. Um, and he talked about how there was a difference between living a life of Christianity versus being a Christ follower. And that sermon, that message weighed so heavy on my heart because for my entire life, I thought I was a Christ follower because I, I dotted all the I's, I crossed all the T's. You could say I was a checklist Christian. And so that that sermon completely broke me and it's when I truly accepted Christ knowing that I hadn't been in a relationship with God. I hadn't desired what God desired. It was doing what I'm supposed to do. And that was probably 10th grade. So I was, I was a young teenager at the point. Um, but that was a, a huge, obvious turning point in my life. And so in between that time, uh, where Chad helped me get to that point, Josh really helped me start to refine what that looked like. And so my life changed for a while. After a few years, I started back to old habits of finding my value in relationships, whether that was friendships or 
uh, with the different girls I dated over the years, um, which was, I was always with friends or if I had a girlfriend with the girl, that was a big part of my life. Um, and I started to lose sight for a while of placing my value in Christ. So having to be reminded of that and, and having a renewed focus and surrender of of where I should be putting my value, where I should be finding um, myself in, kind of got lost through college. And then that was a couple of years of, of living that way for myself and not for God. And I can, in that moment, relate to the prodigal son having gone away, um, coming to a breaking moment, and then realizing, what have I done? Um, it's very humbling, and I'm thankful for it. And because of that low point, I grew a ton um, in my faith. I grew closer to my family. Um, I may not have always had the best relationship with my dad prior to that, but through that I was able to restore that and start to, to build uh, what I hadn't built before. And likewise with my brother, um, he was a big influence during that time on picking myself back up and scratch that, not picking myself back up because that's not what I did, but learning to, to forget myself and focus on God and allow him to restore, um, again, my, my focus on him and just my peace that I had given up through the process. So, uh, after that kind of where we are now, a few years down the road, God used that low spot to, to pull me back and to renew my focus. As I've said, and through that process was invested in a ministry at church, met my now wife and, um, have just been, chasing after God with with every every moment knowing that the importance of finding my value myself my identity in him so you didn't really mention this but the instrument that you play in the worship band is bass. It is. And it's kind of a, a, a weird one. You don't get to hear from a lot of bass players um, from a speaking point of view. So I'm just curious, what what led you to learn to play the bass? Well, I was a guitarist first, uh, specifically a rhythm guitarist. And a couple things led to the bass. The, the real thing was there weren't many bassists around um, in college, I picked up the bass to play music with a couple of friends in a band. And that was a lot of fun. And then I realized uh, something that I should have known a lot sooner that I didn't is bass is a percussive instrument. I would love to play the drums, but two hands and two feet at the same time with I, I can't do that. I'm not that <laughs> dexterous. Dex- you got it. Dexterous. Okay. I think. Oh well. I don't have that much dexterity. How about that. 
Uh, what do you love most about playing the bass? Again, it's it's a percussive instrument, and so being able to play alongside the drums, it's about as close as I can get. Also, I mean, when that bass hits you, come on, who doesn't? Very few people don't <laughs> like that. I agree. Although I feel like at times it's hard to notice the bass on like Sunday mornings and stuff. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. It's just a worship thing. Um, the bass is more of a a layered instrument in a lot of worship settings, which mm-hmm. is okay with me. Um, but it's not always. And you can find some worship tunes where that bass is just rocking. I mean, what's his name? John Cooper from Skillet plays the bass. He's like, the front man, so. Not the kind of bass I play, that's but fair. kudos it's, to you, it's very Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Talented, I'm not saying that. How has uh, helping lead worship alongside like our, our church's worship band and other bands, like you've been in several bands, um, impacted your life? So it depends on the season. Um, playing in the youth band back in the day taught me a lot musically about playing in a band setting, working as a team, but also going back to Chad he was very influential in making sure that your heart was right. And I feel like a lot of churches today around here, at least they're not necessarily as concerned with that as they are the musicianship. Hmm. And so you can from time to time find people who may not even believe in God that are incredible musicians Mm -hmm. on stage leading worship, which there's a lot of debate on that. I personally don't think so. For me, the the church service is the body gathering to worship God. There's a time and a place for ministry, and I think you can. I'm, I would never welcome. I would never not welcome somebody who didn't believe to church, but I wouldn't ask them to lead. Right. That's fair. Um, and so having that kind of not drilled into me but seeing that on display so often through high school um, that really has affected my heart as a leader now to to the point that I want to make sure I'm prepared to lead I'll I'll never forget something Chad told us and and I, I firmly believe it's true you can't lead someone to a place that you haven't been and it's relatable in so many scenarios I'm not going to take somebody on a hike in California because I've never been to California. <laughs> Where's the good in that? There's there's only harm to come. And then uh, the worship leader, Taylor, who we've had as a previous guest recently, uh, he recently had a worship night uh, for the leadership to, to talk and grow together. And we went over competence versus character, mm-hmm. which... If you have great character and you're not competent in your in your instrument, you're limited in the good you can bring. If you are competent but have no character, you're unlimited in the harm you can bring. And if you're competent and have great character, you're unlimited in the good you can bring. And that's kind of hard to understand, but if you break it down to character is a good thing, competency is a good thing. You want them both. 
if you just have character, man, your your heart's great. You may be hitting every wrong note. So you're limited there. Whereas I could be the best bassist in the world, which I'm far from, and be a total jerk. And I'll hit all the right notes and then some. But you want, won't want to see me lead. You won't want to have a conversation with me. And so if you have both, I mean, that's incredible. That, that's the goal. So going from, for me, the foundation of character and then growing into the competency has been huge. And I'm still growing in competency and character every day. But I f- definitely feel my strongest suit has been my character. Yeah, I get that. I I would rather I would rather um go to church and have a worship leader who after the service I can approach and talk to and just I can just be real with and have a conversation with. Um not anything deep or heavy, but just, you know, mm-hmm. say hey, how's it going and they're going to respond in a a nice cheery way and they're going to be your friend. Um as opposed to a worship leader who is just solely focused on their appearance, you know, and making sure that they sound amazing, but then being, I guess, self-absorbed in what they're doing and how they sound, that they're just kind of blowing off the people who are under their leadership. Um, I've, I've seen both here and there in different places from different musicians, um, but I think it's also yeah, not I mean not in our church necessarily, but just different artists I've come into contact with, you know. Yeah, it's it's also important though. Being a worship leader, you don't want to be up there fumbling, not knowing what you're doing because that's going to be a distraction. Oh yeah, N- not saying you can't worship through that, but it's a lot harder to focus on the worship and 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 who God is and the lyrics of about God and and things like that. So. While character is my strong point, I don't want to downplay the importance of competency in your craft as well. I mean, we're we're commanded to do all things for the glory of God. It's a great point too. I mean, I I you know I serve in tech ministry uh, more often on lately, but I, it used to be like every week, um, and we always go in with the mindset of if people notice you you're doing your job wrong so you don't want to you don't want to be so bad at what you're doing that you're taking people out of the experience of worship absolutely so i get that yeah if the average ear can tell you did something wrong as a musician or as a tech person that's that's a pretty big deal yeah because other musicians other tech people that are trained and are knowledgeable will notice things that nobody else will that's because that's what you you're good at that's what you strive to learn and so part of that is knowing when something doesn't sound right so you don't do that and so yeah if if an average listener can pick out something something needs to be discussed or you need to have a serious look at your preparations so one thing you didn't really touch on while you're telling your story is something I guess you would call it an illness or a disease. Yeah, it's, um, it's an autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease. So you have alopecia, which could you tell everyone what that is? So alopecia is a condition, a disease, an autoimmune disease specifically, where your white blood cells think your hair follicles are foreign objects. And so 
they attack it. And just in case you don't know, quick little biology lesson, uh, white blood cells fight off infections and things like that within your body to keep you healthy. So they think it's bad. I personally think they're good, but <laughs> I can't help that. Alopecia is associated with any type of hair loss now, but there are three main conditions of it. There's alopecia areata, which is where you have areas without hair. Alopecia totalis, which is what I have, and that's complete um, hair loss on your head. So I don't have any hair on my head with the exception of a little bit of facial hair, eyelashes, eyebrows. um, And then there's universes. Uh, alopecia universalis, which is complete hair loss. You you don't have any. Um, and my brother actually has this, where you don't have eyelashes, eyebrows, nothing. Um, and, and mine is actually progressing from totalis to universalis. Um, I'm half an eyebrow, and I can't grow a full beard anymore. Not that it was ever impressive before, but <laughs> it's even less impressive now. Yeah, I'm curious, like, how it's affected your life. Because when I met you back in high school, you had long, swishy emo hair. And <laughs> and that has drastically changed. Um, but everything, like, everything about your, uh, I guess, appearance has changed. Yeah. In, in, not in a bad way, just, like, personal style. I'm not that punk skater kid anymore. You're not anymore. a punk skater. You don't wear skinny jeans. Well, you occasionally wear skinny jeans. Not anymore. Really? You made the change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slim, not skinny. Slim straights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why they're are we just, talking about clothes? They're more comfortable. Um, yeah, <laughs> we can move away from that. But like how has how has having alopecia and going through honestly just a huge shift in your appearance affected your life and how you view yourself and in in a lot of ways even your faith? Excellent question. Um So I talked about placing value in relationships and I think that stems from not always having high confidence or self-esteem and growing up in high school, the only thing I've really liked about my appearance was my hair. Um, Side note before I continue, um, anybody who wants to argue that God doesn't have a sense of humor or irony, a little bit of information for you. When I was young, my brother, being an older brother, pick on me, whatever. Normal sibling stuff, nothing cruel. My only comeback was at least I have hair. Um, Yeah, I got a sense of humor. And and honestly, I'm thankful for that lesson. um, Because that was a terrible thing to say. Anyway. Finding that my hair was one of the few things I actually liked about myself when when I lost it, I found different coping mechanisms, whether I, I grew my hair out really long, um, when I was first diagnosed to cover the bald spots down to my shoulders. If I had wanted to, I probably could have put it in a ponytail, but I didn't. And then after I shaved it, just because the the bald spots got started spreading and getting too much. And it just wearing a beanie in the summer with long hair is miserable. It really is. I don't recommend it. Um, so I shaved it and then I started wearing hats all the time. And again, that was just another coping mechanism, something to hide in, to find my identity in. But then 
around the same, not around the same time that, um, I actually didn't talk about this in 2014. Um, when God was calling me back to him and, and I hit my low point the beginning of that year, um, I actually got baptized again. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to it. But during that moment when God was just grabbing my heart and, and kind of bringing my focus back to him and letting me know that I, I needed to completely surrender everything that even meant as silly as it sounds hats. So stop hiding behind a hat and be confident in who God made me in finding my confidence in him and not material things or relationships or whatever. So that was a, a huge lesson from alopecia. But knowing your family, your family's super religious, like loves God, loves Jesus. They're hardcore. They're all in. And, you know, through your story, you said, you know, you accepted Christ at an early age, but then you came back in high school and, um, got saved quote unquote again. Um, and that time it was the real commitment is like you right. really choosing to follow after Jesus. How did your family respond to that? I don't remember how they responded to that. I'm sure it was in full support. Uh, my family's always been supportive of uh, my decisions, especially the ones that are are important like that. They're not going to support me if I'm making a foolish decision, but they're going to support me in the things that are neutral or positive. I'll try and phrase it that way. I do remember how supportive they were when I told them I was getting baptized again. Uh, they saw what God was doing in my life. And I told them I just, you know, I had been embarrassed to do it for a long time, knowing that I had been baptized. Actually, I think I was baptized twice as a kid because I wasn't sure, hmm. like in that six to seven year range. And so for me, like, who gets baptized three times? Like <laughs> once before you're really safe, once after, like that makes sense. But three, come on. Like I just like to go swimming at that point, right? <laughs> so for years, seven seven years probably, I, I kept putting that off um, and knowing all well that God was calling me to it. In fact, our, our pastor for a, a good few months i want to say it felt like a year but it probably wasn't that long of a series um it may have been the theme for the year was talking about the importance of getting baptized on the right side of your salvation and not that that's what saves you but as an act of obedience and confessing to your peers this is this is who i am i'm a i'm a child of god this is what he has asked me to do and so i'm going to do it um and referencing a point that um i spoke on in a previous episode like a good friend of mine with this year shared the the truth with me that delayed obedience is disobedience mm -hmm. and so for seven years i disobeyed and when i actually got baptized i know they were excited for me they were there i wasn't at the same church they were at the time but they showed up they supported me they were excited for me and so it wasn't ever fearful for me to tell my parents 
this is what God's doing or I feel this is what I feel like God's saying. They've always been very supportive of that, which I've taken for granted so many times in the past. I try not to now because not many people get that. Your family's pretty awesome. I'm I'm very blessed with both my family and and then also uh, my wife's family. Yeah, I'm very very blessed. So you mentioned getting baptized on the right side of your salvation. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, could you explain that? Yes. So Kip and I go to a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church specifically, and. Part of the Baptist belief is... You lots are, of potlucks. Well, yes, I'm lots of food. <laughs> no dancing. And apparently, unless it's square dancing now, that's a thing. Hmm. I think that's a uh, Travis thing more Probably. than anything else. Probably. Um, but being a Baptist, it's our belief that we are called to get baptized after we accept Christ. Not every denomination shares that belief. And at the end of the day, that is such a small point. It doesn't matter, in my opinion, if you agree with me or not. If you agree Jesus is the answer, that's all that matters to me. And so the term getting baptized on the right side of your salvation is just saying I've been saved and I am now going to obey what we believe scripture says and getting baptized after salvation rather than before. So you've been married for two years now? Yeah. Is that right? Is it? Yeah, I don't you know. were there. It's not Is my it? marriage. Is it? You were there. Yes. No, three. Two. It is two. Oh, gosh. Two I'm a terrible years. friend. You were up there with me. I know. Um. <laughs> if I didn't have a brother, <laughs> you were the best man. Uh, you could have had two best men. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. For all of you who don't know, Kip actually had two best men, which I was one of. I was so indecisive. Um, how, how has your life changed since getting married? Drastically, I'd say. So, I'd like to think that I was mature before I got married, but getting married forces you to grow even further. It's It's learning, which I am learning every day to die to myself and some days I fail miserably um, but it's as we know through scripture it is the the perfect example of Christ's love for his his children the body is what a marriage is supposed to look like that's tough so for me marriage has redefined what I find priority in, what I find importance in, not taking away from God. He's the ultimate priority and, and and comes first, but after that. So before getting married, I could hang out with friends as long as I wanted, and I would enjoy doing that. What I enjoy has changed. If Paige isn't with me, my my wife... I'm often, I'm enjoying the moments, but I'm either wishing she were there or that I were with her. And that's, I'm, I'm very blessed. I don't think enough marriages have that. 
but I I truly enjoy being with her. So that's that's another way it's changed. But the biggest way is again learning to try and put somebody else first all the time, knowing that their needs have to come before my own. Yeah, for sure. Um, how is being married and kind of huh, you you were one story, but now your two stories becoming a completely different unified story. Tying in the theme of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Rabbit trails. Um how how has this your marriage affected your faith? Like, how has it deepened and matured your faith? Just knowing the importance of having God as the foundation. I, Paige and I know the days that we don't put God first, we can see that we don't put each other first. So the days that I, I don't have a quiet time, that I'm not in relation with God, in communication with God, you know what? I'm, hopefully, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, the days that I don't put him first, like I said, are the days I don't put Paige first. And there's a lot of tension there, and it's because God designed this, and so to put the emphasis on him is only going to make it better. It gets so much more difficult on the days that I'm trying to do it all on my own, or I'm trying to do it my way and not his. Or if I'm living for myself and, and not him. Because if I'm living for myself, how can I live for Paige? But if I'm in the constant mindset of putting God first, I'm already thinking of other people before myself. And so it's it's not easy, but it's easier. And it's definitely better. 1 John 3.18 Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV Podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in Mountain, V as in Valley Podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. All of our original music has been produced by Robert Luther. This episode is mastered by J.A. Parkey. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.